welcome to the Future Is podcast. This is another special episode from our recent tech forum, Honeywell Beyond. This episode explores a topic central to the pandemic and beyond, healthcare. John Waldron, president of Honeywell Safety and Productivity Solutions, and Gene Woods, CEO of Atrium Health, discuss mass vaccination clinics, equity in healthcare, and much, much more. So let's listen. Hi, I'm John Waldron with Honeywell, and I'm here with Gene Woods, the CEO of Atrium Health. Hi, Gene, welcome. John, it's great to be with you um, on this uh, really uh, a, a time when we have an opportunity to reflect on this past year and also uh, look ahead to some exciting possibilities. I agree. We're going to talk about some of those here today. So terrific. Let's get started. In line with our, our theme here around healthcare and the, and the trends that are driving you know, some of the changes in our communities and, and some of the world around us, we wanted to have a conversation today and talk a little bit about you know, what Atrium's been up to uh, in its, in its uh, fight against COVID, in some of the things that it's doing to invest in its future, and then in the partnerships that uh, you've been a part of and, and the team's been working on. So why don't we start there? Can you share a little bit about the background of a recent partnership that we're familiar with here at Honeywell? And uh, tell us a little bit about kind of how it came to be and uh, the mass vaccination program that turned out. Sure. I'm a big fan of your CEO, Darius. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, when uh, you all moved your, your headquarters to Charlotte, we got a chance to meet early on, but through this pandemic, we really uh, strengthened not just the partnership, but, but our friendship. And, you know, I, I know him to be someone who's always thinking about the future, uh, how to innovate, how to do things differently, but also as much as anything, Throughout this this uh, pandemic, we would have conversations, and you know uh, about how, how much concern we had for our employees. And uh, he was right there talking about the things that he wanted to uh, do to make sure that that uh, you all were safe. Also, you know, this a, a deep and we share this alignment in terms of our commitment to community and making sure that throughout this pandemic, we were making sure that we were focused not just inside our walls with our employees, but outside our walls. So it starts there. Um, and, you know, we developed our partnership throughout this and, and every once in a while, Darius and I will take some walks and on this particular uh, a Sunday as the, uh, the vaccines were being uh, pushed out throughout the country. North Carolina was among, uh, at, at among the lowest in terms of uh, shots in arms. So uh, we, we talked on Sunday. He was asking sort of some of the challenges. We were, I was sharing with him some of the logistical challenges that we were experiencing. And so we got our teams together, I uh, believe, on that Monday uh, together with uh, folks from the, the Panthers and also the Speedway, Motor Speedway. And by Wednesday morning, we were in front of the of the governor with a, a, a plan uh, to really hold, uh, which was at the time one of the largest, uh, really most successful uh, mass vaccination events in the country. We did one at Motor Speedway. We did one at the Panther Stadium. And, you know, it showed that how organizations can come together quickly and really do good things for the community and partnership. And if you think about it, you know, the, the team at Honeywell is, is used to working uh, with each other. The team at Atrium is and, and the other uh, others as well. But I, I got to tell you, we were all so committed to a common cause, which is as many shots and arms as we could get. And we the thing that made it successful, I think, uh, in addition to just the coordination logistics is every single person involved left their egos at the door. And I think in that sense, 
uh, we really felt that we were all in the same foxhole together, uh, doing some things for the community at a time when it needed most. So I think that that's really a, a bit of the, of the story is that we just came together very quickly and I'm very proud of the work that we've done together and quite frankly, continue to do together. I think it sets the platform for other work that we will be doing uh, in the future as well. Well, that's terrific. And I just think about personally, the journey that we've all been on over the last 14 months, 15 months, and then how that was such a catalyst for change here locally, for sure. Uh, but the distance we've all crossed in terms of getting the population vaccinated since that point has been pretty remarkable. What do you see as the future there, though? I mean, we're at 40 percent or so of the overall population here in the U.S. that's got one shot or more. Where do you see us going? What are the challenges and what, do you, what advice do you have for, uh, for people out there? Yeah, well, you know, we've made some progress, but I think we've got a long ways to go. Um, and I think the, the concern that we all have, you know, some people call it vaccine hesitancy. I, I refer to it as vaccine readiness. And some people need to understand uh, more about the science. So we're doing a lot of work um, about making sure that people are comfortable with the science. Some people, it's, it's all a matter of convenience. And so we're continuing to push out different locations throughout the communities. And then certainly uh, the communities of color have had uh, some issues of trust with healthcare in, in the past because of you know, Tuskegee experiments and things of that nature. So there's really, a, you have to kind of do a market segmentation of why people aren't ready to give the vaccine. And we're in the process of doing that. We're working with other community leaders, uh, church groups, if you will. And quite frankly, and also some celebrities, you know, I know you all are, are, are doing the same thing. And just to make sure that uh, if somebody that looks like you is in your, in your pot, if you will, has gotten it, we want to get to those folks to kind of continue to spread the message. So made some progress. We've got a lot of work ahead. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, by, you know, the fall, we're, we all feel that we're in, in, a, in a better better location, better spot, but, but we still have, um, it's, it's a day-to-day mano-a-mano uh, uh, thing to still battle because we're still very much in, 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 in the pandemic and you see hotspots uh, starting to bubble up again throughout the country. Yeah, we see the same. And, you know, we're encouraging our employees to get vaccinated. We're bringing those that are back to the offices. I, uh, I don't know if you've got any particular advice out there for your employees or people in the community. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, people really um, uh, want to be together again, you know, um, and, and, and certainly uh, our families and, and, and friends. But in a, in a work community, too, we spend more time with each other than we spend sometimes with our own families. So it goes back to the to sort of the, your framing. I mean, I think the best way to do that is to get, to get vaccinated and to continue to be safe. And, and, and if, we, if we all collectively do that, I see us uh, rebounding. But again, we, we still have a lot of work ahead of us. I agree. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. You guys have made some really exciting announcements uh, starting late last year. And then uh, very recently here around your, your partnership with Wake Forest Baptist Health and uh, bringing a four-year medical school to Charlotte. Can you talk a little bit about that and tell us kind of what's the story behind the announcements? John, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about sort of where we're going uh, as Atrium and as a community. As you said, we're, we're bringing um, the first four-year medical school to Charlotte. It's a, it's a partnership uh, and we're in combination with, with Wake Forest University. Uh, School of Medicine. It'll be their second campus. They have one at uh, Bay. We have one in, in Winston and we'll now have another one in, in Charlotte. 
And we'll be the, the first medical school that, that opens in a post-pandemic era in the country. Um, and it'll open up around 2024. So I'm foreshadowing that by then we hopefully are, are beyond this. And we've learned so much about um, how to care differently for patients and community, um, you know, from telehealth to, to how we care for people in their own home using the latest monitoring technology, to how we engage in community, to how we just innovate. And so we're going to be building all of those learnings of uh, this past year into this curriculum so that we're, we're training this next generation of clinicians to really uh, serve community a whole different way. So very, very excited about this medical school and, and what it will mean, not just for uh, Charlotte, not just for North Carolina, but really through the Southeast and beyond. And then we're going to surround that um, uh, medical school, if you will, on the same campus with an innovation corridor, um, because we really want to create that type of ecosystem where we have learners uh, working alongside of companies like hopefully Honeywell that are inventing new things and really looking to do something different in the healthcare space uh, to our physicians. And we're going to have everyone on a campus trying to really invent new cures, trying to invent new ways of, of bringing technology to solving real real health issues. And so that's, it's, uh, we don't have an innovation quarter uh, per se as the one we're contemplating that's focused on life sciences and also the digital aspect of health. And so we're very, very excited about using this uh, as a platform for truly transforming healthcare in the country. Well, the more I hear about it, Gene, the more excited I get. I mean, I think it's a tremendous investment in the community, uh, but more importantly, it's a great advancement for society and not just you know, the healthcare end of society, but also innovation and technology. And, you know, the one thing that comes to my mind is given all the things that we do around healthcare, whether it's advanced sensing technologies, whether it's communication technologies, um, or, you know, other sort of chemical processing technologies that go into pharmaceutical developments and software. There's just so many opportunities for the healthcare community and the technology community to come together in these kind of hubs to really create momentum toward the future. Are there other elements that you're seeing there, either in the venture arena, kind of bringing capital to bear? What else do you see as possible? Yeah, well, and, and I really like what, what you said because Honeywell is, it has so many uh, capabilities that applied in the right way with a partner like ours. What I like to say is what we're creating here is um, where excellence uh, is, is practice and excellence is learned. And that's the type of environment that uh, organizations like ours coming together uh, uh, can, can, can do together in ways that we, we probably didn't even contemplate before. Um, and again, the bridges that we've built through the pandemic, as I said earlier, really can, can, is the platform and the springboard for, for working together differently in the future. We, we believe that the investments that we're making um, and, and will continue to make uh, ultimately, we've had an independent um, uh, consultant uh, state that it will create about 63,000 new jobs uh, by 2040. And again, these are uh, jobs in the new sort of health sector, if you will, uh, focused on life sciences, fo focused on digital care, and really new inventions. And so I think that's that's the, the learnings we've had, the direction that we have is it's sort of everything is coming together, I think, to position us for a very, very uh, exciting future. And it couldn't be at a better time. I mean, you think about the advancements that healthcare's made in the last hundred years, and then you know, very, very specifically, what the short time frame it took the pharmaceutical industry to develop the COVID vaccines. And then you think about what investments like that and what technologies will look like in the next five, 10, 25 years. 
I mean, it's really kind of mind blowing to think about it, but you have to have the hub to bring together those cross-functional teams that really bring all those eclectic views, perspectives, and experiences to bear. Exactly. And it sort of goes uh, a little bit back to why uh, you want to bring some of the uh, folks together to, because there's something about being together. That's why we need to get vaccinated. So we be together to, to talk about these things. And it's in this juxtaposition of, of different sectors, people with different ideas, different experiences. If you create the right environment, that's where really uh, something new occurs. And that's really where, where the excitement is for all the challenge, all the pain that we've seen um, this past year. And, you know, obviously, uh, the frontline workers that, that that I'm so proud of at Atrium and, and other health systems, you know, I think um, they, they say, you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. And we, we've really been in that situation, but we've really had that approach to COVID. And I think now we've learned that we can do that in the future. Like you said, the vaccine was, uh, nobody would have even predicted that in one year we would have had a vaccine. So it's, it's created this mind shift about what's possible and, and, and the speed of, of which uh, things are possible to, to deal with some, some really deep and pressing healthcare issues, including in very vulnerable minority communities, which has been a very big focus for us as well. Well, let's talk about that because I know you're, you're personally very passionate about health equity and making sure that there's equal opportunity to get uh, the care that you really deserve as a member of society. Can you talk a little bit about that and just frame it for, you know, people watching and, and, and maybe get us started on that front? Yeah, well, you know, there was a, a landmark um, um, report that was uh, uh, developed by the Institute of Medicine back in 2003 about the inequities and disparities of care in the country. And these were scientists and researchers from all over the country that solidified that there are some structural disadvantages that that people of color have had from, from many perspectives, but including from a health perspective. And, and so what uh, we've seen though, is that COVID really brought that to light and people of color were dying at six times the rate. One of my favorite all-time movies is Apollo 13. And there's a scene which for some reason stuck in my mind in the beginning of the pandemic, where you have obviously the astronauts in space, their oxygen canisters, uh, fail, and we're trying to figure out how to get our our people back on Earth, and we had never dealt with with anything like that in in in, in space before. So we had to get all the folks that you see in the movie trying to figure out how do we get our astronauts safely back uh, to, to to Earth, and we, we we've never done this before. Um, and there's a scene where um, uh, the the main um, actor says, you know, um, not on our watch. Failure is not an option. And we're going to get these folks back back to earth. That's the internal feeling that we had is that we weren't going to let people uh, die disproportionately from, from COVID or our watch. So we went into the communities um, with our mobile vans. We worked with the church leaders. We worked with um, the YMCA. We worked with, with all of the key not-for-profits that were in the neighborhoods that were being mostly affected. And we eliminated testing disparities in a matter of weeks. We really, um, if you look at our roving vans, 75% of our roving vans, the medical vans that are in community are people of color. So we were on a mission from the very, very beginning that seeing the national trends and seeing some of the trends in our communities that we were going to be um, uh, folks that people could count on in, in the time of need and specifically communities of color. We, we launched a immunity, um, uh, uh, community immunity for all 
We've uh, also worked very closely with, with the Latinx uh, community. We've been on construction sites uh, giving care. So, so that's the approach we have. And it's really consistent with our mission, which is health, hope, and healing for all. And this for all perspective is really what came to life in, uh, during this pandemic, that no matter where you are, no matter what you look like, um, we were going to be be there, and and we were going to be a, a system that people felt like we had we had the communities back um, at, at this time when when the need was significant. Well, the statistics are startling. I mean, COVID has absolutely adversely hit Black and Hispanic communities harder than any other, uh, and I, I agree. I think it has to do with you know how our health systems have served those communities in the past, and I, I, I applaud you for taking a bit of an offensive approach to going out. And meeting the people where they are, and you know, really lifting them up to give them the service that they deserve. Um, what I know you've spoken to Congress about this. I mean, what advice do you have for policymakers? What are you telling them that you know collectively we need to be doing in society to make that a sustainable, a sustainable fix? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, when I testified at the uh, U.S. Senate Committee, the Health Committee recently, you know, there, there's a couple things that we learned. One is is the importance of data. You know, early on, we have this uh, geospatial mapping capability that so we could drill down uh, to the specific uh, neighborhood that where we were seeing issues, whether it's in testing, whether vaccines, whether it's other social determinants of health. And so we were able to then orient our resources to those communities. So one thing is just really we need to we need to step up collectively our AI game in terms of uh, where these inequities occur. That's certainly uh, one thing we need to do a better job of researching and, and understanding what the underlying cause were for the significant uh, mortalities that we saw in black and brown communities. Um, and so I know there's there's work now at the CDC and the NIH focused specifically on what those key variables are so that the next time this happens or really just even in the absence of a pandemic, we're really uh, drilling down into those communities and solving for, for those root causes. The other thing is we've had a very significant lack of investment in our public health infrastructure in the country. Um, so fortunately, uh, companies and like yours and, and organizations like ours uh, have the capability, the talent to be able to respond. But we did that uh, really served as public health um, instruments um, and, and, and organizations because of the, they just lacked the, uh, the capability and, and the resources to do that. So that was one of the key messages I had is we need to really think about how we invest in public health differently and, and learn the lessons from this pandemic uh, going forward. Well, you mentioned a, a topic that's you know near and dear to us as technologists, which is data. And data is the future of many things that we're working on. And, and in your world, data and privacy go together. And a lot of people kind of you know really struggle with the separation between the two. Could you talk a little bit about you know how you see that kind of dividing so that you can still have privacy of information, but still get the data that you need to create next generation treatments or you know where you put the treatment and have it really be impactful. Yeah, I mean, data is the whole ball of wax. You know, I think we're getting much, much better on our predictive capabilities. So we know that if you come into the hospital, you have uh, certain conditions. If you've been to your doctor a certain amount of times, if you've taken this certain medications, if you've been to the emergency room this amount of times, that we can predict that unless we do something differently, you'll end back up in the hospital in a matter of you know months and, and, and or within the year. So we're really trying to apply all of those learnings 
to really then intervene at the right moments because we want people to stay out of the hospital and, and stay healthy. But then there's the privacy concern and all of us stay up every single day uh, certainly with all the matters of cybersecurity that, that we, we wrestle with um, and staying ahead of the bad guys, if you will. So we, we, we certainly are using that data in a way to, to improve health, but we have uh, an equal amount of investments that we really focus on on cybersecurity and also you know working with other organizations that have significant capabilities in the space. And that's where um, you know we, we have to continue to focus on that because that's where the trust is established uh, in terms of the protection of, of such sensitive data, such as such as healthcare. Well, I, I mean, as as a patient, it, it warms my heart to know that uh, we've got the experts working on it at Atrium Health to make sure that we can get both because it is important. And I think the the future of healthcare is denominated in technology. And uh, as you, I think, rightly said, that is a lot of data and is going to be uh, you know pointed at next generation treatments. So, Gene, maybe let's just uh, point it toward the future here and wrap us up. So what are the lessons that you've learned through the last 12 to 15 months as we've gone through this COVID pandemic? And what do they teach you about the future? Yeah, for one is early in the pandemic, actually, when, uh, as everybody knows, we were running out of bed space uh, in hospitals here and throughout the country. And we're talking about field hospitals. But, um, you know, to set up a field hospital, we would have to duplicate our resources and resources were scarce. So the, a group of clinicians and scientists internally came to me and said, you know, let, how about a hospital at home concept? And so where we can treat people at home that otherwise might need to be in the hospital, we have all this criteria. So I had that discussion with, with my team. And then uh, uh, three weeks later, we had it fully operational. We've treated almost 60,000 people at home who might have otherwise been in the hospital. It tells me that the agility of decision making really is, is, is changed. Vaccines, hospital at home. So going forward, we're realizing some of the structures we have for decision making, uh, we're, we're, we, we're deconstructing so we can be faster and more agile. Um, I think that the, the other part of it is really the importance of community. Community. We can't, most of the care that we deliver is outside of our walls. And so we're really focused on those, those deep community relationships um, that, that will continue to, uh, and social determinants of health, whether it's housing, food insecurity, that really are key determinants of health. And again, we have to work with other people in the community. And finally, I think uh, the, the thing that we've learned as much as anything is the, the value of partnership. The, the partnership of Honeywell and Atrium. I think is is transformative in so many ways. It's it really shows that two companies, two companies that care about the same thing, uh, innovation, caring for community, caring for their employees, they come together in the right way. That really nothing is impossible. And so, if there's the silver lining for me during this past year, um, it, it's that is that we we can do some great things together. And now we've built some friendships. Our teams know each other. Uh, we're, we're broadening the circles with other organizations. And I um, and that makes me really, really optimistic in terms of uh, what the future uh, will be for healthcare in America. Well, awesome. Thanks so much, Gene, for your time, for your partnership, and for your impact. You're a tremendous community leader for us here in Charlotte, and uh, we really appreciate what you do. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. If you're a fan of our conversations exploring the future of industries and technologies, then leave us a five-star review where you get your podcasts. And if you're interested in hearing more about technologies and trends impacting multiple industries, join our Honeywell Beyond Tech Forum at Honeywell.com.